Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. As you know, last week uh, we were able to pray uh, for Ryan as he uh, stepped down from his role as uh, the pastor. Uh, as part of the pastoral lead team. And we also had an um, elder meeting after church, and the elders thought it would be good to um, address uh, one of the questions that has been coming up quite often. And the question is, uh, what uh, are we going to do? Um, you know, the lead team was composed of three pastors. Um, and now that Ryan has stepped down, uh, what, what are the next steps? Are we going to hire someone? And as we talked about it, um, and as you know, we've been pretty transparent the past few months that, um, you know, we're not in any financial position to hire right now. And so in the meantime, uh, this is <laughs> the lead team, along with, of course, Pastor Barbara, wherever she's at. <laughs> she, she says she's retired, and even though she doesn't attend the elder meetings, she's like working as hard as ever. And so we're constantly calling her and everything, and so... We're grateful to have her as part of the team. But, um, yeah, to answer the question, we, we aren't in that position. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we'll be um, addressing uh, continually for the sake of transparency is our um, financial uh, place. And at the moment, you know, we've let go of uh, four staff positions. Um, the fourth ones, you know, will be at the end of October. And even with that, um, the elders, um, our financial person is forecasting that we're 4000 short per month um, based on last month's giving. And so that kind of gives you an idea of where we're at. Um, and, you know, that, that's just where we're at. But at the same time, we know that we're having to pivot. And that's why, you know, we have people like Jaina who is um, helping us out with um, volunteer coordinator. There's a lot of, like, responsibilities that are being vacated by those positions, and we are so grateful that many of you have stepped up. At the same time, we, we want you also to know for the people who are here that have volunteered all their life at church maybe and just need to rest, you have every like right to say, I don't want to volunteer right now. And so please don't take this as like a pressure, pressuring us to make you volunteer for something. Uh, for those of you that do have the ability to volunteer, we really could use your help. And so Mary is going to fill us in in one of the big needs we have. Can you guys guess what it is? It's children! <laughs> well, I mean, it's minors. It's everybody under the age of 18. And you know what? Beyond, because we need some college people too. So um, I read this this quote once that said you can tell, you can gauge the health of a church by how you see the way they treat children. And um, I love that. And within this church, I love that that means that our kids matter just as much as everybody else. And um, they're not sidelined or um, just asked to be quiet so nobody else gets interrupted. They're truly treated as a vital and precious part of community because they are, and because children truly matter. Um, Jesus looked at them, and he didn't just value them for who they would become. He valued them for who they were at that moment, and we get to do the same thing. Um, 
I talked to a friend once who told me that um, she worked in high school ministry and she had to call Child Protective Services for one of her, her kiddos um, whose mama was very emotionally and verbally abusive. And I asked her, like, how did she keep coming to church when she had an absentee father and a mother who was so cruel? And she said she asked her that once, and the girl said, I don't know, I just went to VBS once, and they told me that God loved me, and I believed it. This is what we got to do. Like, you don't know the stories that a child is carrying inside of their heart, and we get to speak into that story, and we get to say, you matter. We see you. We celebrate you. We are here to protect you and to buoy you up, and it's such a privilege. Um, so, yeah, we need, particularly in the upper elementary room, we need some helpers. We have the most amazing lead teacher who is magic, but we need people to be in there with her. Um, and the kids in there are so sweet and creative and artistic. They're all a little shy. So we need somebody to just sit beside them and say, hey, you matter to me. Like, I want to spend my Sunday morning in church with you because you're going to teach me some things about Jesus, too. And then we have middle school. And I want to tell you, I remember sitting where y'all are and hearing people say, we need volunteers for middle school, and I was like, nope, not me. Like, I am, like, as coordinated as a baby panda, and I'm, like, not a fun person. I want to, like, talk about feelings all the time and middle schoolers are not into that sort of thing and so I was always like nope um, but we needed somebody in middle school so I've been hanging out with middle schoolers and it turns out they don't care that I'm uncoordinated and not a fun person they are just happy that we get to hang out together and I can be a goofball with them and it's been really healing for me and it's been really beautiful so if you were awkward that's cool. They are too. They just need people to say you matter. Um, this is the age where I don't believe that the kids are actually looking to decide what they believe about Jesus at this age. I think they already know what they believe about Jesus. They're looking to see what the people around them who say they believe about Jesus, what they actually are doing with that, how they are acting it out. And it's a powerful thing to act it out by saying, like, to the kid who feels invisible, you are not invisible. You matter. So we really need some middle school helpers. And then we have high school. And high school is amazing. Allie and Alvia have already set up the most incredible, like, sustainable youth group where they didn't meet in the summer, like, officially, and they still met. They were still hanging out together because they have just formed really sweet relationships with each other, and these relationships matter. So we also need some people in the high school room, and they are smart. Like, I mean, if you want to have theology challenged, like, they are really good at that, and it is the best, most beautiful thing to be able to actually look at the Bible and be like, why do I actually believe this? And to challenge yourself in the process. Um, and finally, I feel like the thing I really want to drive home, although I'm saying we so need people, is I also really believe deep in my core that the last person 
who should be in a classroom is somebody who doesn't want to be there. Kids sense that, and nobody wants to feel like they are a chore. So if you don't want to do this, but you feel like you kind of have to do this, you don't have to do this. I would prefer not to have a children's ministry at all than to have one where people are there, but they don't want to be there. So this is only for the people who's like kind of feel their heart beating a little faster and remember what it's like to be a kiddo who feels a little invisible and they want to bring a different change for a kid who um, needs to have that person who sees them. Thanks, Mary. Um, also, one of the things that's happening is we are um, going to redo the website. Um, it's a bit outdated, and Alvia has generously uh, taken on that task. And one of the other things that we're going to do is on our homepage, uh, we, are, um, uh, we um, wrote something, collaborated together with the elders, that we will be um, sharing on our homepage that will kind of be a description of who we are as a community. Mary, do you want to read that for us? <laughs> Do we have that, James? I know we're having some technical difficulties. And by the way, our computer back there is so old that we've been glitching a lot. Um, our soundboard, we're told, is so old. Um, there's a lot of things that are about to fall apart. And so if you, on a Sunday morning you see stuff not working, um, that's not on the production team or the sound people. There's a lot of problems with our system right now that we're trying to address and hopefully you know, we'll be able to fix. But this is uh, what we are going to post. Fishes and loaves, y'all. We are a fishes and loaves community all the time. Um, so on our um, homepage, when people are first looking at our church, trying to figure out if this is a space that they would want to walk into, this is what they will be reading. We are a community of believers and dreamers, seekers and ministers, who are united in our shared desire to live and love like Jesus. We are a prayerful, contemplative community that holds the Bible in high regard, believing that it is God-inspired. And because scripture is foundation, foundational in all of our core values and beliefs as a community, we declare that everyone is welcome to the table. We work for justice, equity, and restoration in our individual homes and wider communities so that we might bring God's kingdom here on earth. We affirm LGBTQ people at every level of belonging, sacrament, and leadership. We are learning every day what it means to follow the mandate to love God and to love others as ourselves. We commission women to serve and lead at all organizational levels. We celebrate children of all abilities, understanding that they have much to teach us as we guide them. We embrace curiosity, wonder, questioning, and doubt as part of our journey into holy mystery. And we know the good news is proclaimed when we share with each other our joy, grief, and love. And so yeah, that's gonna be on our website. And thank you, Mary, for joining us. I know she has to go back to the kids. But uh, today, also, we are starting a new series, um, kind of based really on what uh, Mary just wrote. Uh, and our new sermon series will be called um, Heaven on Earth, um, focusing on the teachings of Jesus, especially on the Sermon on the Mount and just the way he loved people well. 
And I know our statement um, that we just read is not perfect. Um, there's a lot of areas that are like probably missing. Um, it'll probably be revised again and again um, as we lean into the spirit. And that's what we want to say, that we are a community that is always learning and trying to posture ourselves in humility and trying to um, listen to the spirit, especially as God is speaking for the people of our church. But I know that as, um, you know, as I've talked to a lot of my pastoral friends, my colleagues in ministry, one of the questions, you know, that come up uh, to me, especially as, you know, they look at the church I pastor is, you know what, um, why do you guys focus so much on love? Um, and I know for me, you know, that, that seems like, like a, a bewildering question because I know that's like at the core of the commandment. Um, you know, LBCF, you know, we've had a lot of changes the past few years. Um, I know many of you, especially the people that have been here a long time, has experienced much grief. At the same time, I'm sensing from a lot of you and a lot of the new folks that there's also a lot of excitement even though, like I shared about our financial situation, honestly, you know, uh, people have asked me how I'm doing in light of all these changes. There, there has been um, grief, and yet at the same time, there has been this um, desire to continue to leaning in, leaning into the Spirit of God. I'm not worried about the finances at all, um, because I know that as a church, if we focus on the things we fear, if we focus on survival, then we might as well close up shop. The, the focus of our church has to always be on following Christ. And what does it mean to be Christ's followers here on earth? And as Jesus entered a world that was like filled with grief, filled with calamity, filled with injustice, Jesus entered into the world purposefully, intentionally, knowing that the kingdom of God, heaven, had to come down on earth. And that's what Jesus was about. And so the question I always ask myself, and the question that I'll keep repeating over and over in this um, pulpit, is what does love look like? And as a church, our compass always has to be set towards love. Because fear is one of the most debilitating emotions we can have that will keep us from from, from, from doing what God wants us to do. It'll keep us from listening. It'll keep us focusing on scarcity rather than abundance. And so, yes, we are transparent with all of our financial and logistical problems. And yet, that is not the focus of our church. We focus on who Jesus is and the life of Christ. In 1 John 4, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so whenever you feel confused, whenever you don't understand something, always let love lead. And this truth I know is, is so important. Um, and it's a truth that, of course, is found in the teachings of Jesus. In Matthew 22, verse 35, one of the experts of the law runs to Jesus and asks him, Teacher, which is the greatest 
commandment of the law. And so here's this teacher of the law coming up to Christ and, and looking at all the laws and all the prophets and asking Jesus, which of all these things is the most important? And Jesus, of course, replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, All the law, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so whenever, like, some of my friends ask me, like, why are you focusing so much on love? Well, the reason is because of this. That, that if we have a theology that is practiced out that doesn't end in actually loving people, then what Jesus says is that we probably have a theology and a practice that is faulty. That we have to rethink our theology if it's actually causing harassment and harm to different communities. For Jesus, he's able to look at all the law and all the prophets and say, hey, look at all of this. If you are going to focus on what is most important, then the most important thing is to love God and to love neighbor. And that's why, as I've said before, that, you know, some people, are, you know, say that, Danny, aren't you promoting immorality? immorality in a lot of the things you teach. And, and one of the things I say is, if the greatest commandment is to love God and to love neighbor, then the most immoral thing that we can do is to not love. If the greatest commandment is to love God and neighbor, then the most immoral thing we can do is not to love. And so how did we get here? How did the church get to a place where it feels like loving is not like the central thing in the teachings of Jesus? I think we have to go back hundreds of years when the church started moving towards more of an institutional place, when, um, when it became more of a power structure, and especially when the Roman Empire you know, began to uh, become Christianized and creeds began to develop and, and, and the, the emperor would, would appoint bishops and say, hey, write some creeds so we have some clarity in, in terms of what we believe. And the creeds basically were developed um, to show, like, who's in and who's out. If, if you believe all these things, then you're with, with the church. If you don't believe these things, then you're on the outside. And one of those creeds that was developed is the Apostles' Creed. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get it up. Um, can we have it up? And it's a creed that our church actually um, adheres to. Like I read this creed and I say yes to every word that is written here. And let, let me read it for you. It says, I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a Christian, I like, am able to say I agree with everything in this statement. My, my problem isn't so much what the statement says. My problem is what it doesn't say. Because if the greatest commandment is to love God and love neighbor, why is it that all the historical creeds eliminate the need to love? Why is it that Christianity has been reduced to a set of theological suppositions? Why is it, as Dallas Willard says, that that faithfulness has been reduced to a mere assent to theological beliefs? My, My problem isn't that the theology is wrong in this. My problem... My problem is that it eliminates what Jesus said was most important. And as a result, for hundreds of years, the church has been telling everybody that this is who we're about. Believe this and you belong with us. If you don't believe this, then you're on the outside. And yet what Jesus presents to his disciples isn't a theological system. But Jesus presents a way of living, a way of saying, this is what heaven on earth looks like. And if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciples, then this is what it is. Look at this group of people, the Samaritans, who are are despised by, by our community. What does it mean to cross those social boundaries? What does it mean to be in fellowship with people that have a theology that we might not agree with. Does that mean we don't love people at all? No. Jesus continues to lean towards love. And in this creed, I like what Pastor Don um, Huffings had to say about this creed when she writes, the entire life of Jesus is reduced to a comma. After the virgin birth, it moves straight to his death and resurrection. It's like... That, that comma just eliminates the whole life of Jesus and, and reduces it to a comma. And therefore, the stories of how Jesus was be able to de- bring deliverance to captives and feed the poor and care for women and children and love tax collectors and sinners, all of those have been removed from the creeds. And you know what that does to generations of churches? It causes churches to focus more on certainty and right beliefs than actually focusing on what Jesus has to say. And that's why, you know what, when Abby and I were getting off the freeway and we see that sign, and, you know, at LBCF, it says, learning to live and love like Jesus. I kid you not, you know, I was talking with Abby, coming here today, and I said, I love I love what that says. In fact, you know, I've seen a lot of churches' mottos, you know, and everywhere. And I, I didn't develop this motto. You know, I, I don't take ownership of it. But I think it's the best one I've ever seen for a church. 
because it has this posture, right, of learning that, that we don't have it all together. It has, also has this idea of focusing on Jesus, you know, learning to live like Jesus and learning to love like Jesus. And I love our motto so much because I think that's what the church has to be about. And that's why we developed, you know, that um, statement. If you want to put it up again, James, um, that Mary wrote. You know, we are a community of believers and dreamers and seekers and ministers who are united in our shared desire to live and love like Jesus. We are a prayerful, contemplative community that holds the Bible in high regard, believing it is God-inspired. Because scripture is foundational in all of our core values and beliefs as a community. We declare that everyone is welcome at the table. We work for justice, equality, and the restoration in our individual homes and wider communities so that we might bring God's kingdom here on earth. We affirm LGBTQ plus people at every level of belonging, sacrament, and leadership. We are learning every day what it means to follow the mandate to love God and love others as ourselves. We commission women to serve and lead at all organizational levels. We celebrate children of all abilities, understanding that they have much to teach us as we guide them. We embrace curiosity, wonder, questioning, and doubt as part of our journey into holy mystery. We know the good news is proclaimed when we share with one another our joy, grief, and love. And I love that we can post the statement because it centers around the life of Christ. This is who we want to be. This is who we are. I remember um, when I used to attend evangelism conferences uh, back in the 90s, um, I was um, always going on mission trip. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the 1040 window, but um, if you haven't heard of the 1040 window, you're not as old as me. <laughs> um, well, look it up, Google it. The, basically, the 1040 window is this window, you know, uh, along the 10 and 40 degree um, north of the equator um, area, especially around Africa and Asia, where um, people haven't been reached for Christ. And as a young missionary, my heart's goal was to, like, evangelize and try to reach the world for Christ. And one of the passages that was always brought up, I kid you not, it was always brought up, was Matthew 9.35. And you're probably familiar with this verse. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And there it is, the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And for me back then, I thought that this was all about just personal evangelism. That that was the intent of this passage. But when you look at it closely, what Jesus says is that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. That somehow Jesus was able to look at people, crowds, 
who followed him were, that were in desperate need and understood that harassment was taking place. That there was the sense of powerlessness, of feeding defeated, of feeling, feeling like no one was there to advocate for them, that no one cared. That Jesus saw the crowds and, and saw that they felt like they were invisible, that they didn't matter. And because of that, Jesus had compassion. And he looked at the disciples and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. And that's what I pray Jesus would be showing us today. That as a church, as we regroup, as we look forward, that we would understand that Jesus is still looking across Long Beach City. That Jesus is looking across Lakewood, the Southlands, around the whole world. And Jesus is still seeing that people are being harassed and helpless. And so this passage assumes that, you know, there is a command for us to not only care for people being harassed, but it also assumes that we no longer contribute to the harassment. And I know for sometimes, you know, we look at our church and we might celebrate and kind of pat on ourselves on the back and congratulate ourselves and say, hey, look at our church. We ordain women as pastors. I don't think that's anything to congratulate ourselves about. It literally is the baseline to be human. Becoming affirming isn't another thing we congratulate ourselves on. It's, it's the baseline of being able to treat everyone as equal. Considering the poor isn't something we do out of like feeling like a savior, but it's part of our salvation of understanding what it means to be communi in community with people, to learn their stories, to, to be in, in community and, and to listen, pay attention and to understand what love looks like. Because love is not best achieved from a distance, but in proximity. And I know this is a little bit harder for me to grasp because there's a lot of good intention in my heart. There's a lot of times I, I feel like I want to love and I feel like I'm doing the right thing and the noble thing and I'll like feel better about myself. Um, but even my good intentions can sometimes lead to harm. I remember when I was a college youth pastor back in the 90s, I would often meet with students on their campuses. Um, I'd, you know, meet them in the cafeteria or whatever, and there was this one person that I got to know really well. He became a good friend, and we're still friends, and we would often hang out. Um, and when I first uh, met him, he actually told me his story. Um, when he was in high school, he and his friends were cruising around Hollywood. And all of a sudden, when their car was stopped in traffic, there was a group of uh, guys that surrounded the car that he and his friends were and, and just shot it up. And unfortunately, uh, my friend uh, was struck and it left him paralyzed from the waist down. 
And, you know, he came to a place of, like, um, you know, just um, honestly learning how to thrive with his um, new disability. And I marveled at it. I marveled at his faith. And so we would get together. He always had a lot of theological questions. Um, and, and, you know, we would meet often. But there was this one time where I decided to walk him to his car for the first time. And as we were walking into, um, towards his car, immediately as I watched my friend in his wheelchair, I was thinking, how does he, like, do this? And so as he opened uh, his two-door car and, you know, getting ready to, um, you know, we were saying goodbye to each other, I, I said, hey, let me do that for you. And he said, no, Kuya Danny, it's okay, I, I can do it myself. I said, no, no, I insist, let me do it for you. And he goes, no, really, I can do it myself. And I was like, yeah, no, no, it's no problem at all. And you know, I was just trying to be the helpful guy. And so in his, like, good nature, he says, okay, okay, I'll just let you do it. And here I am looking at this wheelchair, and I'm like, uh, how do you fold this thing? And then he, he shows me how to do it. And then as I lift it up and I'm trying to get it into his back seat, I can't get it in. And he's just sitting there watching me. <laughs> and he's like, never mind, Kuya Danny, let, let me do it. And so, like, it, be, it becomes this thing where he, like, gets it and puts it in right away without any hassle at all. And I'm like, wow, that, that's so amazing. And, like, I, I, I just, like, just cringed at myself afterwards because in my naive self thinking I'm this able-bodied person that can make your life easier and in actuality, even though I had good intentions, I made his life more difficult. I didn't help him at all. And what I learned that day and so many other times is that for love to actually be meaningful, we have to be good listeners. We have to be in proximity. We have to be in relationship with the people that we are trying to grow with. Because loving people is not about being a savior, but it's about being formed by one another. We love not in places where we have things figured out, but in a way that calls us to be in proximity with people that God calls us to love and, and be in relationship with. And I know as LBCF has been in this journey of listening and paying attention, you know, those, those conversations are oftentimes difficult. But the best way to love, like I said, is not from a distance, but in proximity. And the best places to love is where we actually feel discomfort and pain. Because it's in those places where heaven can intersect on earth. I look at the life of Jesus, and everywhere Jesus walked, heaven collided with earth. Wherever Jesus went, the presence of God was there. Wherever Jesus went, people were experiencing the love of God, being seen, being able to express to Jesus their needs, being able even to serve Jesus 
and to help Jesus in the times that Jesus needed help. It was a reciprocal relationship where heaven invaded earth. And I know many of us are coming into LBCF with probably a backstory of some kind of church trauma. Um, I know a lot of us are coming from places where we're wondering whatever happened to the faith I believed in. A lot of us are coming from places of confusion and disorientation. And, and to, to be truthful, you know, we're probably still there. What's in this place of disorientation? That God will reorient us. And we might not be able to see five years, ten years into the future. But what we can see in this like dark and cloudy and dizzying place, maybe just one step in front of us. And the way we are led to that first step is to lean into the Spirit, to be a prayerful community, and to be able to ask God, what would you desire of me? What would you desire of me? And how can I be led into your kingdom? So that I can learn to live and love like Jesus. And oftentimes that first step is a step towards love. You might not have all your theology figured out. You might not have all your questions answered. But love can still happen. Love can still happen. And so right now, I want us to uh, transition into our communion time. And as usual, we have um, our prayer team that's going to be up front um, to pray for any of you. But this communion time is a, a reminder that Jesus came. And on the cross, in the place of greatest suffering, it was the place where heaven and earth intersected perfectly. It was on the body of Christ where, God, where Jesus gave his body for us and shed his blood that he demonstrated what love looks like. And so we come to the table today saying that this table is wide open to anyone who wants to come. And as you partake of this bread and this wine, Remember who Jesus is. Remember what belongs between the comma, the life and love of Jesus, and that you belong. And this table is wide. So come when you're ready.